Hello, hello, hello. Each time I open up this podcast, I feel like I get more and more annoying, <laughs> and I do not know how to fix it. So I'm going to restart that. Ah, refreshing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Once Again in a Closet. Yay! Starring me, the closet rat. Oh, I make myself laugh. Anyways, hey guys, it's Gracie. Um, this is another episode of Up at Night, but we are now in spooky season, meaning, I don't really know, I was going to try and make a pun with the name, but I guess I don't really have one, so. So my plan, just kind of giving y'all a preview of what is up to come in Up at Night, I am kind of laying out a bit of a spooky theme right now. If you couldn't tell from the title, if you couldn't tell from the title of this podcast episode, today we are talking about The Vampire of Barcelona, which is, it's an interesting story, but first we're talking about the vampire part. So this entire month of October, so just once a week, I am going to be posting kind of a crime story that also kind of involves, you know, some spookity spooks. This could mean that I'm going to be talking about zombies. I could be talking about ghosts. I could be talking about werewolves. Just anything that can also be related to true crime, which is exciting for me because, you know, I get to combine two of my favorite things. Uh, But also in that same breath, if you have any, any creepy stories, please DM me on Twitter at abetnightcast. I want to hear them, and if you live in the Nacogdoches area, who knows? Maybe we can meet up and you can film a little something for me. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Man, y'all, I am aggressively scatterbrained today. Like, aggressively so. So this means, so that means, this is gonna be a fun little story. So today's, I almost said today's sponsors. I don't have one of those. Okay, so today's research helpers, is a YouTube channel called Duchess Dark. She has a series called Serial Killer Saturday, and uh, the episode was entitled entitled the episode was entitled Enriqueta Marti, the Vampire of Barcelona. And then there was I have two websites, which is Real Unexplained Mysteries and Barcelona Lowdown. Uh, I have two kind of disclaimers before we get into the story. First of all. I am white. I'm going to be trying to pronounce these names as good as I can. I did Google these names and I kind of heard some pronunciations of them. But if I am wrong, I am so sorry. I mean, no disrespect to the language. I just am uninformed and I'm trying to be informed. And if I mess up, I am sorry. Please let me know so that I can correct it in the future. Okay, so um, this story also does have some very graphic descriptions of murder. And, you know, things that happened after murder bodies. Uh, And typically, it would be okay for me to talk about the type of stuff because it's true crime podcast. You kind of have to. But this story, I kind of did have to kind of think about it for a little bit. All the crimes that Enriqueta committed were actually against children. Uh, I prefer to keep from talking about children being murdered because it is a horrific and senseless act. However, this is a story that I don't really hear ever, and to me, being able to tell these stories is a way to bring awareness to these types of things that are happening, that happened then, and that are still happening now, and I, like, 
this may just be a me thing, but to me, I feel like in telling these stories, I can help give their like souls closure. I know that makes me sound like a crazy person and I know that like makes me sound like an idiot. I just, I feel like by me sharing their stories and sharing what they went through, it's a way for them to like keep on going. It's, it's just a way for them to feel, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain it, but just know that I mean no disrespect to the children that were harmed and by this crazy woman and that's just how I feel about it. Trigger warning for this is of course murder and graphic depictions of post-murder remains and child prostitution. We're not going to go too far into that side of it because I don't want to throw up. Uh, okay, so okay, so let's head over to Saint Louis de yeah, cool. I'm going to get that pronounced, pronounced to be really fast. Uh, Saint-Louis-de-Quals. Saint de de I'm trying. Anyways, let's just go there. <laughs> it's a place in Spain. It's around Barcelona. Just, look, we're going there. It's uh, 1868, and Enricada Marti is born. Uh, her, like, early life with her family is really kind of hard to find. It's not really talked about anywhere. No really real documentation just because of how long ago it was. If there was any, it's lost by now. But all we know is that she was born, she grew up, and now she's here in our story. She moved to Barcelona at a young age and she worked there as a nanny and then also pursued prostitution in like the nighttime. Quick pause sex workers do whatever you want I believe in you you deserve support and you deserve love and uh, you go girl anyways or boy anyways <laughs> uh, in 1895 she married a painter named Juan Paulo and they quickly divorced due to her prostitution that she did not give up and her erratic character traits she would continuously just run around with random people she would go and hang out with undesirables you know, she was just kind of very erratic and sporadic, and Juan Paula was like, nah, man. Uh, they did get together and broke up a total of five times, but whenever she was arrested, they were divorced for over five years. During the day, she took to begging and looking for abandoned children, and at night, she would engage in prostitution, began to pimp out the young children she'd find during the day, and practice becoming a witch doctor. With her potions, she claimed that she was able to cure tuberculosis and other uncurable diseases with her spells, potions, and ointments. She also started running a brothel that prostituted children out to wealthy customers that would pay her directly, and she would abduct these children from the street that looked homeless, and she actually quoted that she looked for the children that were most abandoned looking, which is messed up. Um, one of the many girls that were abducted was, cross your fingers, Teresa... Guterra Congost. Teresita? Guterra Congost. Teresia. Teresita. Boom. Nailed it. Who befriended a homeless lady in Barcelona who gave her sweets constantly and won over her trust. Unbeknownst, wow, Grayson, to Teresita was that she actually was talking to the vampire of Barcelona. So Enriqueta coaxed the young girl into going with her under the guise of getting her some more sweets, but when Teresita realized that she was being taken further and further away from her home, and she was like, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and go back, Enriqueta covered the young girl's head with a black bag and brought her back to her flat. It was there where she met another girl who Enriqueta had kidnapped previously that was around her same age named Angelita. 
Teresita's hair was cut and Enriqueta told her that her parents were dead and to call her stepmama. She was fed only stale bread and potatoes and was pinched instead of beaten, which is, I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't think either of them is really good. I don't know, it's just a weird little detail that I was like, oh, interesting. There was also rooms in the house where the girls were forbidden to go into when Enriqueta was gone begging and they were not allowed to go by any of the windows. Of course, being little children left alone, they went into the forbidden rooms. In one of the rooms, they found remains of blood-stained children's clothing and a big bloody bony knife, which is a knife that you use to cut meat off of the bone. Not whatever you were thinking. I wrote that joke in and I like, it's stupid. Whenever I read it, I was like, like a boner. Okay, anyways. um, Okay, so Teresita had now been missing for a few weeks. So everyone was out on the lookout to find her and get her back home. So after they went into the room and discovered the whole bloody situation, Teresita was actually able to get near a window and was spotted by Enriqueta's neighbor named Claudia Elias. Elias was nosy and we thank her for it because whenever Claudia asked if the little girl was Enriqueta's, she just closed the window. Enriqueta didn't say a word. Clearly, she was quick as a tack and smart on her feet. So Claudia was like, oh shit, that's Teresita and informed a barber who then informed a political informant and then informed police. So it was a long like little chain of command there whenever she could have just gone straight to the police or she may not have been able to. I don't really know how Barcelonian police departments work. I'm American. I don't need to learn about other countries. So on February 27th, under a false chicken possession claim, because you know, those happen. A policeman actually escorted her to her flat and she reluctantly but eventually let them in and Angelita and Teresita were found. Teresita was returned to her parents as soon as possible, but Angelita's background was a little bit different. After trying to pass off Angelita as her daughter with her estranged husband, Juan Paulo, he went to the trial on his own accord and was like, hey, that's not my kid big size. And so then Enriqueta got to explain that the other little girl was actually her sister-in-law's daughter. Wait, I've lost my place. When Angelina was born, Enriqueta told the woman that the baby died in labor and took it home with her. It was also revealed by Angelina around this time that before Teresita arrived at the flat, there was a five-year-old boy called Papito. And one night when Angelita was meant to be sleeping, she snuck into the kitchen and saw Enriqueta kill Papito on the kitchen table. She was lucky enough to be able to run off to the bed and pretend to be asleep. You wondering about the vampire part yet? That's because of two things. Reason one, she was in practice for over 20 years, which is a long enough time for me to put into a podcast. And two, so I told you about the bloody clothes and bony knife. That was due to her witch doctor practicing, besides prostituting out the children, when they were no longer useful for her, she would actually kill them. After that, she would crush up the bones of the dead children, combine the dust with the guts and blood, and turn them into a facial cream. She told customers that it was her special elixir that would stunt the aging process. And everyone believed her. Because you know whenever one crazy lady says something, it's true. You've seen MLMs. At the time of her arrest, there were 10 bodies from the age of 3 to 9 that were pre-prepared for the cosmetic step, 
this was one of the ways she was able to dispose of the bodies without actually being caught. And since most of the children were beggars like her, they actually had no one to look for them, which is very, very sad. All of this information, she was clearly guilty and sent to the Rena Emolia, Rena Emolia, and police did a second sweep of the house and they found, you know, the bloody clothes and everything. But they also found a sack of dirty clothes and a bag of 30 bones with various sizes. They also went into the other forbidden room, which was just like a, a bougie lounge that had nice kids clothes in it, which police said stood out because the rest of the house was nasty and stanky. Uh, then in another locked room, police found some weird, weird shit. There were 50 pictures, jars, and washables with preserved human remains. There was a bunch of lard, coagulated blood, children's hair, skeleton hands, powdered bones, and pots with the po and pots with the potions, ointments, and salts that were already prepared for sale. She also owned a few other properties, uh, like a, I think it was a three other apartments in one like shack. And in those, there was false rolls and human remains found in the ceiling. They also found some makeshift grades in the backyard for a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. They also found more remains in a house that was owned by her family. They also found an old-ass book with parchment covers, books, books of notes filled with potions, and whatever have you, you know? Which doctor shit. And a lot of coded notes and a list of important Barcelonian figures who might have been some of Enriqueta's clients either as a witch doctor or a procurer. Of course, this list was buried, and none of the names on the list were ever brought to court. Rumors were made of who were on the list, but nothing really ever came up for it. Um, in Rina Amarilla, uh, which is, is a jail, she waited for judgment on suicide watch, but a year and three months after her arrest, on July 12th, 1913, she was actually killed in a lynching done by other prisoners. Which, and that means that nobody actually got their closure. So it never really is known how many children this monster had killed, which is terrible and unfortunate. My heart goes out to all the children who were lost to the hands of this terrible, terrible woman. And since she passed too early, we never will get to know why she did these things, nor did the people who funded her crimes get brought to justice. So yeah, that's... I feel like I haven't really been talking that long, but it's already been 20 minutes. So yeah, that's that's the story of Enriqueta, the Vampire of Barcelona. Uh, she was also known as the Vampire of Punnett Street, Punnett Street, uh, and also known as the Vampire of Ravel Street. But the Vampire of Barcelona just sounds cooler. And of course, from reading all this, you're like, oh man, she sounds more like a witch to me. And kind of, but she would use the blood to help her, like, you know look younger. She's called the Vampire Barcelona, so I'm just gonna leave her as being the Vampire Barcelona. <sighs> so yeah, I think the most unfortunate, not the most unfortunate, I think one of the most unfortunate parts of that story is the fact that these government officials that did something terrible and committed insane crimes are not, well, were never brought to justice. And of course, I'm not going to make some big political spiel right now about how our government's messed up. But I'm just saying that I'm a firm believer that if you do wrong, you should reap the percussions. Whether it's sexual assault, whether it's murder, whether it's embezzlement, like, you shouldn't be able to get out of something just because you have the money to do so. I know someone who 
I don't know someone. I've heard stories of people who got arrested for like tiny little petty thefts and have to stay in jail for as uh, like until they're hearing because they can't afford the bail. And that's just, that's just insane. The, the police department does not need any more of our money. Just, just, you know, it's just like, I just want us to have a fair government where we can all actually be treated equal and not just say it. I think that we owe it to ourselves and to the future generations to try and enforce that type of a future. Boom. Okay. <laughs> That's my spiel. So, happy thought for the day. Man, what's my happy thought for the day? <laughs> I always feel bad, like, I'm just a really busy person right now, so I don't really have, like, time to sit down and be like, oh man, I'm really, I'm really thankful for this today, which is probably bad. Probably need to get in the habit of doing that, but I also don't have my planner on me, so I don't know if I'm doing anything fun coming up. Um, I guess my good thing, oh, my good thing, here we go. My first English test, I was really worried about it. I just, I felt like, whenever I have really bad test anxiety, I think it's because of years of, you know, ADHD, but whenever I study for a test, I always like freak out, and I think I'm gonna fail it, and I take the test, and I'm like, oh man, I failed it, I'm gonna fail this, I'm gonna fail this class, and so I thought I failed my first English test. I got it back, and I got like an 85, which like, I know my goal this year is to try and make all A's, but like, that's a pretty good start. Like, that's a solid baseline for me to try and make all A's. So I'm happy with it. My lizard's happy with it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, I just want to talk about my lizard, I guess. <laughs> I miss my lizard. She's currently in brumation, so I won't get to hang out with her that much because all she's going to do is sleep, which is a bummer because I like to hang out with her. But it's okay, you know, girls need, she needs, she needs a little TLC. She just needs a little bit of a me time. I totally understand it. <laughs> Don't know why I decided to do that voice. Okay, before I ramble on any further, I am going to go ahead and end this episode. So I keep, each time I'm about to end an episode, I keep on wanting to say I have been Grayson Porter. I don't know why. So I have been Grayson Porter and this is, oh God, what episode is this? Is this like, I'm going to check right now actually, because I do want to know. Because I know for there was a while where I kept on messing up how many episodes I was on and I like said I was on episode 15, like not 15. Oh, I can't wait to go on episode 15. How I said I was like on episode five, like three times. So this is gonna be episode one, two, three, four, five, seven. This is gonna be episode seven, man. Thank you for listening to episode seven. And also thank you for like supporting my podcast and just listening to it. It really does mean a lot. I was looking at my analytics today and I found out that I like have listeners from not just Nacogdoches, Texas. And that's really cool. It's really awesome. It makes me really happy. And I'm really glad that y'all are enjoying something that I also enjoy. So thank you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I will talk to you next time I can't sleep. Bye, guys.